Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week on the Dive In, fight only the battle you're paid to fight. Forbid empathy. Empathy is weakness. We're talking David Fincher's The Killer, the magnificent new film from one of our greatest living filmmakers. Wesley, I don't think we've had a proper chance to talk David Fincher on this podcast, despite the fact that he's one of my favorite filmmakers alive. You know, he's made some of my favorite movies in the last 20 years. Um, and we talked Mank when it came out. I remember we did an episode on that. But I don't feel like Mank is an accurate reflection as to, like, why I love David Fincher. I feel like that was a real, like, him stepping outside of his box kind of movie. And so, like, we, we talked about it, but it, it's it's not the Fincher I, I really love. Didn't we, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we do an episode solely dedicated to David Fincher movies? No, not yet. Huh. I feel we like talked we about it. did that a we long time close. ago, but I could be wrong. We did Tarantino. We never did uh, never did Fincher, sadly. But I think this can kind of double as our as our Fincher episode a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about Fincher himself before fully getting into the killer. What is your relationship to his films? Are you a big fan of, of his work? That's a great question. Let me pull up his movies. Because uh, I think I think that's pretty obvious right there. That I'm not a diehard Fincher fan or anything. Um, I mean, I've seen lots of his movies. Um, like, I've seen the classic Fight Club, Seven, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Social, ne- Social Network, that kind of stuff. Like, I think he's a good filmmaker. Am I a diehard fan? No. Um, right. But I think he makes good movies. Yeah, I mean, he's made some of my my favorites. Like, I I fucking love the Social Network, Seven in particular. I love, I really love Gone Girl. Um, so those those are ones that I constantly just bring up in like my all time favorite movies list. You know, they're they're often cracking the top fifty for sure. I, I what I love about David Fincher, and I feel like maybe even though you're not like quite a diehard the way I am, I feel like you'll be able to vouch for this as well. Is he's so meticulous with his work? You know, like. You can find many actors talking about how half the time they feel like they're only quarter of the frame in a David Fincher movie because so much of what he does is intentional, like very intentional. And I think he's best at, I think you can vouch for this, best at telling stories about cold people. And I, I said this after we saw the, the Killer. Like, a lot of his movies focus on like almost like alien human beings who like don't have empathy and don't have humanity. And I think that that's where he kind of often excels. You know, I think now that I think about the movies I've seen that he's made, I feel like he's really good at creating the I'm different like characters in movies. Like he's really oh, good yeah. at playing the or at uh, showing off those characters who are like I'm society doesn't understand. Like that's very true. I feel like that's a lot of his characters. Yeah, I feel like you're definitely right. You know, we've got um, we've got Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network, which is probably the biggest example of an alien human being to ever live. Um. We have Amy and Nick Dunn and Gone Girl, who are both just, like, so cold and, and weird. I immediately uh, think of the killer in Seven. Yeah, exactly, right? John Doe in, in Seven. Um, the Zodiac killer himself mm-hmm. in Zodiac. like, And then the narrator in Tyler Durden in Fight Club, so on and so forth. Like, those are always what he's making movies about. It's, like, these weird kind of characters who are, like, good at just, like, mimicking human personality traits, you know? And then that continues in in the killer, which I felt like was a real return for return to form for him. Um, what do you think your favorite out of the films you've seen from him is? Probably like seven. Uh, honestly, probably Fight Club. I think Fight Club okay. is unbeatable. I think it's maybe one of the greatest movies ever. Uh, yeah, 
I like Seven's great, um, but Fight Club. I remember watching Fight Club when I was too young to understand it, and then rewatching it when I was old enough to understand it and loving it even more. Right. So. Now that now that you mentioned Fight Club, by the way, that was the episode we did. We didn't do a Fincher episode all mm. all around, but we did a early in the pod. We did a Fight Club episode back when we were like quarantined during COVID. Mm. You hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it in so long. I don't think. And so we both revisited it and did an episode on it. So I think that's the Fincher pod that we had done in the mm-hmm. past. Um, but yeah, I just such an impressive filmmaker with such a dedication to to his craft, you know. And I think that really ties in with the killer. The killer, uh, his new movie, is really about this man who is wholly dedicated to this to this craft. The craft being being a hitman and killing people. Um, so a bit of a different perspective from from himself and in, in everything. But what did you what did you think of the killer? Um, I think it's to be totally honest. I think it is a. I agree that it's kind of like a return to form, um, very much like a David Fincher movie, down to its bones. Um, uh, I think it's more of like it feels like he's almost having a little more fun with this one. Like not fun, but it's a little more relaxed. You know, there's yeah. We were talking like literally just before we started this, and I was like, I, I can't figure out. I said to Hayden, I can't figure out what the deeper meaning of this movie is. I feel like there's so many people who have different things. Um, and then you kind of mentioned that you're not really sure if there is a huge deeper meaning. And I think I kind of agree. Like maybe that this is, there's not supposed to be a deeper meaning here. Maybe this is just David Fincher being like, I know how to write these characters really well. Let me do like a real deep dive into one character um, who is like on the inside fucked up, but on the outside, like you were saying, mimicking being a human, you know, which is mm-hmm. exactly what he is good at. So I feel like it was very much him being like, let me just do something I'm really good at. Yeah. And this is something he's been, this movie, he's been cooking it up since 2007, I think was the first time he spoke about really making this movie. Yeah. just he, I remember back in like reading stuff about how in 2007, he started talking about wanting to make a movie about a hitman, and, uh, and it just didn't come to fruition for a long time after that. And I think he got he kind of got swallowed up by the Netflix machine for a little bit in the past decade. He ended up working on um, House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. I hate saying that name, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he worked on Mindhunter, the the show about the creation of the term serial killer and like the FBI as they kind of investigate some of the earliest examples of serial killers. Phenomenal show that Netflix should forever feel bad about canceling on a cliffhanger after its second season. Uh, nevertheless. Yeah, he kind of has been absorbed a little bit by Netflix, so he hasn't had as much... He really hasn't had as much coming out. I think since Gone Girl, he's done Mindhunter and Mank, and now The Killer. And Gone Girl came out in 2014, so it's been nearly a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll start with this. This movie, to me, is Fincher returning to what he's best at, which is like an ice-cold thriller. But surprisingly, I found this movie really funny. Like, there was numerous times throughout watching where I was like, I think this shit's kind of hilarious, and I think he kind of does want us to laugh at this movie. So when I'm talking about what it's about and what I like think it's about, I think it's kind of just like a dark comedy about a hitman. Um, and the comedy is like super subjective, but there was like numerous points, especially in retrospect. I guess it's not like a comedy where I was like laughing out loud sitting in the theater, but in the days since I've seen it, I've found myself just like really laughing and, and going back to a lot of funny shit he says. Um, one of the lines in particular that I find really funny is the line about New Orleans and its food, and he's just like a place with a thousand a thousand restaurants in one menu. Which mm-hmm. just I just keep going back to all these little lines of dialogue and little things about the movie. And the more I sit on it, the more I think it's really funny. 
especially through like the killer's narration and his actions. So he's like a killer who preaches about how good he is and how important his code is, but he simultaneously gets himself into the mood by listening to the Smiths, which is like ultimate sad boy music. And he's like, feel nothing, feel no empathy while he blasts the Smiths before killing someone. Um, I find it like, it's like a fun spin on like, he orders his James Bond tools from Amazon and then eats at McDonald's between kills. You know, like it, it mm-hmm. kind of feels to me often like it's making fun of him in equal measure as it is like framing him as this cool, slick killer. I was wondering if you got the same vibe from the movie. If at any point you were like, this feels like a bit of like parody, like satire of like one of these like James Bond, like John Wick style movies. Kind of, but in a different sense. Um, I think it's kind of making fun of society in a sense. Definitely. Because, um, like, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's almost like a modernized James Bond. But I think it's less making fun of, or trying to be funny, like, a James Bond style, where it's like he's ordering stuff from Amazon, that kind of thing. But almost trying to make it funny of how, um, in a day and age where, like he mentions in the movie, how it's almost impossible to not get seen by a CCTV camera, how easy it is to do everything else. Like he can go to McDonald's and not get, no one talks to him. Nobody really looks at him because the way he dresses, you know, like nowadays in the society we live in, if you dress like he's dressed, like he's either a tourist or a pedophile, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So no one's going to talk to him and things like going to McDonald's to get cheap food. That's just the calories. Like, millions of people go to McDonald's every day and no one would suspect that one of them is a killer or the fact that you're able to literally get anything you need off Amazon. Like that is literally a criminal device, like a fob copier that you can just get off Amazon for free. Yeah. You can buy knives off Amazon. You can get like full machetes off Amazon. Um, so I, I think it's for me, what I saw was making fun of just like, the society around us like yes it's harder to not uh, not get seen because of security and everything but at the same time there's millions of people on this earth and no one's going to pay attention to this one guy you know yeah yeah absolutely Uh, i think that's a good point as well and i think that that's like something that fincher's constantly like commentating on throughout the movie is just the way that like the hardest part about being a killer in the year of 2023 is cameras Everything else comes pretty naturally and pretty pretty easily mm-hmm. aside from, you know, the fact that he starts to kind of break and crack under the pressure. But, yeah, I definitely feel like Fincher was doing something very intentional with how disconnected emotionally he wants you to be from the movie. He doesn't give us names for the killer. He doesn't give us names for the killer's partner. I think most of the people in the movie are, are left mostly unnamed aside from, like, one or two characters. And it feels like he's very purposefully trying to make just this movie that is so ice cold towards like the characters and the humanity of all of them. And I, I think it just holds us at distance constantly in regards to like, it wants us to see him as a man who studies his craft, you know, his dedication to his craft and that being like the core thing we actually know about him is that this is what he does. He kills people and he's good at it mostly until mm-hmm. we start to see him kind of fall apart as the movie goes on. I was talking to um, to our friend Joe from Kyber Culture, and I hope he doesn't mind me, me saying his direct quote on here, but he had said, this feels like David Fincher's Barry. And oh, I, yeah. I, I thought that that was a, a really good comparison because it does have a lot in common with, with Barry a little bit and where you see this kind of 
hitman start to come undone at the seams i i mean i would say that barry is definitely more emotional um, yeah definitely and i i i think i agree with morgan that um the coldness i get i totally understand why he's cold he's a hitman you know like the emotional detachment um is a core part of his character but i i would kind of agree where yes i did feel the weight of his actions and how important like uh the things he was doing was and i i did feel for him when he starts to like slip and lose it but i definitely think i would have felt for him more if there was some thing to grasp upon but i understand why there isn't you know Mm -hmm. like it's definitely the being like this is a hitman this is what he does this is it you know yeah um but i would agree with morgan that i think that i would have felt it probably a bit more or cared a bit more about his character if there was some emotional something to latch on to but seeing as he's a emotionless character you know it makes sense but i will say this too like i i think that there's a disconnect with what his narration wants you to think and with what the movie's actually showing you like i feel like you can learn a little bit more about him than you think you can based on watching him instead of listening to him because everything he says in his narration is completely like the opposite of how he is actually going about these things. Mm-hmm. Like consistently he talks about how good he is at what he does. And um, I think the first line of the movie is if you can't, if you can't endure boredom, this is not the work for you cut to him waking up from having fallen asleep on the job, you know? And then there's multiple other instances like that where he passes out or sorry, when he bungles the hit and then kills the dominatrix instead of his target target. And then multiple more times, like when he puts the nails into the guy's chest to interrogate him and then the guy dies almost immediately. Um, And then when he fucks up the dosage, when he drugs the dog, I feel like this guy isn't actually very good at his job, despite the fact that everything he says wants you to think that. And I thought that was something that was really interesting is that ties back to his actual character itself where like, his whole thing is like, feel nothing, uh, show no empathy. And then multiple times, you can see him getting a little bit too involved. I mean, the whole plot of the movie is this mass revenge story from a man who says that he feels nothing, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like you can deduce a little bit about his more about his character than like his narration will uh, will lead you to think. Did you feel that way at all? Um, Not really. Um, I would say that I totally agree that, yes, his in- internal monologue is very different than what's happening on the outside, but I don't think that shows more of his character. I think that just shows um, more of how uh, as much as anyone, as much as a killer would want to be emotionless and feel nothing, it's impossible for a human to do so, you know? Like, the perfect killer has no emotion, but no human has no emotion. You know, you almost have to not be human, to not feel any of those things, to not want that revenge. So I, I totally get where you're where you're coming from with kind of this idea that you can see a bit more of him as he messes up. But I think it's you can see the humanity that is in him and not only in him, in everyone. Mm-hmm. Um as they keep going. Like for example, the the lady at the the like the final kill he has or whichever one that that is where he goes into the restaurant with the gun, like the most uh, just non-executing killer, like the messiest way to do it, you know? Even she, who is also a killer, is there like having drinks, like knowing that she, this is the end for her. She is 
trying to be human, have a genuine conversation with this guy. And he thinks that he doesn't, he should just say nothing and be there. But why is he there in the first place if he doesn't want to talk to her? You know, like Mm -hmm. he starts to crack too throughout that scene, which I, I adore that scene. You can see that like, she's like, have, have a drink with me. He doesn't, but then he does, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can see this. I took up on that scene in particular as like him seeing this version of his life where he can still be like a normal human being where he doesn't need to eat McDonald's just to get carbs into a system where he doesn't need to like exist as this off the grid person. Like this, this woman's a killer. She is just like him. And yet she has a life. She has people in her life. She goes out to fancy restaurants. She is not so afraid of like existing. Um, But yeah, no, I did find that scene really interesting. I think that what you said there is, is a good read on that. Are you a big Tilda Swinton guy? What what did you uh what she has this really great scene in 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 the movie, but despite the fact that she's not really a big part of the movie, but I thought she was good in it. I yeah, I thought she was good too. I feel so weird about Tilda Swinton. I literally cannot see her as anything other than the witch from the line the witch in the wardrobe. Like, <laughs> really? That is it. I cannot see her as anything other than that, and whenever I see her on screen, that is all I see. So I think she does a fine job. I do I think that the the like movie producers needed to pay the probably insane amount of money they paid her for that one scene. Hell no. That would have been done totally fine by any other actor. I do think um, Fincher has a good relationship with her though. So he probably didn't need to pay as much to maybe not. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Tilda Swinton's great, but all I can see her is the ice or the ice queen from Narnia. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I, I actually, I completely forgot she was in Narnia until you just said that. Yeah, this, I like I don't know why. It's just that's the image that sticks in my head whenever I see her on screen. It's very degrading that multiple times throughout this movie they call her character the Q-tip. Yeah, just I mean she does her, look like a Q-tip. She looks a little bit like a Q-tip, and now it's I don't Tilda think I'm ever gonna I'm never gonna see Tilda Swinton the same. I'm just gonna see a Q-tip whenever I look at her. <laughs> um, but what did what did you think of the killer as our lead and in the performance from Michael Fassbender? Michael Fassbender, a actor that. I quite like, I think you like him too. Um, and he's been like MIA in Hollywood for like the last like five years. And so it's, we're getting like a double dose of him this month with, with the killer. And then with next goal wins coming out this mm-hmm. week. Uh, I think he's great. I think Michael Fassbender is one of the best actors of our time and he is underappreciated. Um, Very underappreciated. Yeah. I think he does a really good job. Uh, and I think that he is just good at playing emotionless characters He's just really good at it. Uh, I think he, the like when I think of um, some of his best acting, I think of that um, scene in X Men. I think it's X Men First Class where he drags the quarter through the guy's brain through Kevin Bacon's brain. Um, yeah, that's a great example of an emotionless character right there. Like an emotional moment. I mean, there's so much revenge and like stuff behind it, but he does it so nonchalantly that it's just like Michael Fassbender is really good at playing villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this this is another example of him just being good at playing those emotionless uh, villains in a sense. Because this is not a good. There's no there's no uh, hero in this story. You know, the killer is an awful guy. Um, but Michael Fassbender just does a really good job at portraying that and making me interested in a character that has like no emotion whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, like if you think about the amount of words he actually says out loud in the movie, aside from like his narration excluded, it's probably like very little, like very he does few. not really speak to other people. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like he he's so good in this movie at not only like some of like the deadpan comedy that he has to deliver, like just the line delivery when he realizes he killed the guy after thinking he has seven minutes to interrogate him. And then the guy immediately dies. And he's just like, fuck just mm-hmm. like so much of, of his reactionary stuff in this movie is, is really good. It's a lot of like physical stuff that he has to do with his face instead of words. Um, but I felt like he was incredible in this movie and I'm just so glad he's back in movies. What do you, what do you think we can expect from him next week and next goal wins? Do you think we can expect the exact opposite? Di- yeah, the exact exactly. opposite. I mean, um, like we're going to get an emotional character and he's still going to be a bad guy. Cause it's very clear in the trailer that he is an alcoholic. Um, but uh, it's going to be very different where it's not like no emotion. It's raw anger for most of it. And then it's, he's going to turn around and um, be friends with all of them. And it'll be a happy ending. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just know every single sports movie goes exactly the same way. Yeah, that's true. I feel like um, next goal wins just not to like go on a tangent is going to be like Taika Waititi's Ted Lasso. Literally. Oh, totally. I feel like you are probably very excited. Like Ted Lasso being your favorite show, Taika being one of your favorite working directors. I feel like you're you're so hyped for this movie. I am excited. I actually am going to take that back. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think it's going to be his Ted Lasso. Um, I think it's going to be his... Um, uh, what's, how do I put this properly? Um, I think it's going to be him making fun of sports movies. You know, I don't think it's going to be his Ted Lasso. I think it's going to be his um, let's make fun of all of these white savior sports movies um, by making a white savior sports movie, you know? True. Uh, So I think he's I think he's less looking for that emotional story and he's more looking for um, I want to keep the um, what I at least what I'm getting from the trailer is I want to keep the emotion of the sports story, but also make it a comedy. Because that's what these sports movies should be. Like Ted Lasso, a bit of a drama, dramatic comedy, if, if I would say. But I think it's heavier on the drama. I think this one's going to be the reverse, where it's heavier on the comedy, but it still has those emotional points that will drive the movie. Right. Yeah, I would agree. There's that line at the end of the trailer where the guy is just like, thank you for bringing us. I can't remember the character's name. He's like, thank you for bringing him. It's like finding a little white boy lost at the mall and showing him where to go. Yeah. So I think you're right. I do think it's going to be like a bit of self-satire towards that genre that he's operating in yeah um but i do think we'll be getting like a completely different fastbender performance literally this week which is so funny to have gotten the killer and then one week later get whatever he's going to be doing in next goal wins but i i've mentioned a couple times already how i feel like the killer works really well as like a dark comedy did you find the movie funny at all have like or have you found yourself like thinking about any of the bits of comedy or anything throughout it because i know it's like very much like a me style of humor a lot of the time when we watch movies i really gravitate towards that like it's so dry it's barely comedy but like when you sit with it it's really funny i was wondering if like if you found the killer to be like a funny movie i i don't know if i found it to be a funny movie but i definitely think there are some moments i totally agree that there are some moments where it's just like so dry it's funny uh like the fact that he's playing the smith all the time and especially the moments i think i found the funniest were when he's like um got the smiths blasting in the truck and then he gets out of the truck and it's just like faintly playing in the background um uh like i found those moments funny um i think it's just i don't even know if david fincher put the comedy in there but i think there are just moments that are so dry and uncomfortable that they just become funny you know right like it's not even intentionally supposed to be funny it's just the fact that um 
it's so dry and dark that it is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, like for example, when he when he puts the nails into the guy's chest and is like, he'll probably last for like six minutes, and then he immediately dies, and he goes, "Fuck!" Like that's an that's a super dark moment when you also realize that the when you also think about the fact that the assistant is in the bathroom, just chained listening. to a pipe, listening to this man die. Um, but it's kind of funny because like things just fall apart from very much like in Barry in how um there's a there's a moment i remember where he's in a hospital in i think the newest season um and he's like that guy right there is gonna kill me like he is trying to kill me somebody help me and there's like other police officers in the room and the other guy's like what i would never it's like this is a very tense moment but it's kind of funny you know right um so I, i think it's i think it's just like it's like you said it's so dry at points and so uncomfortable that it just becomes funny yeah i do feel like there's a little bit of like fincher like playing with like the fact that this guy is supposed to be the perfect killing machine and he's a bit of an idiot and i feel like there's a bit of like comedy that he may be purposefully inserted in there but i also feel like you're right where there's so many just bits that kind of just become funny when you watch it i i wouldn't even say that he's a bit of an idiot i think it's just that he's supposed to be this perfect killer but he's a bit of a human you know um, right, he, get, he gets in his own way multiple times. Yeah, I think now that we kind of are talking and discussing this whole thing, I think the for me, the thing I'm seeing, the through line I'm seeing is that idea of in his head, he thinks he is different, but in reality, he is just another human. You yeah, know? which the ending actually lays on pretty thick with like his final lines of the movie where he just is pretty much like, I'm nothing special. You know, like, I, I think I'm special, but really, I'm just another guy. I just yeah. will. Sh- I'll just kill you instead. Um, okay, I- I'm curious about your thoughts on this because I find the idea of the miss, you know, like the very beginning of the movie opens with him missing and, and hitting the wrong target. I find the miss to be really interesting when you connect it to David Fincher's filmography. And to me, it felt a little bit like he's commenting on his own career. Fincher, like the killer, is regarded of a regarded as a master of his craft. You know, he's, he's constantly coming up in the greatest filmmakers of our time conversation, uh, someone who never misses. And yet with his last film, Mank, it was very lukewarm reception. It kind of flopped. Nobody really talked about it longer than like two weeks. Everybody thought it was going to be a huge front runner in the Oscar race. Nothing. I don't think it won a single award aside from like cinematography. So I found the timing of him choosing to do this movie to be really interesting because it feels like a little bit of self-commentary from Fincher where he's framing the killer obviously through a very different way as himself where it's like he missed and it was nearly his undoing as, as a filmmaker what do you feel like that about that do you feel like that's like intentional or like the timing there I mean maybe but I would be really surprised uh, if a director such as David Fincher who has made so many incredible movies um i feel like he's not i mean and i don't i'm not a huge fan of him obviously we discussed but um i don't know i don't feel like he's the kind of guy to make fun of himself if that makes any sense you know like i think yes i totally agree that uh mank definitely was not a hit for a director who has made a lot of hits um and he very much could be making fun of himself uh for that um i i'm i'm not entirely sure you know i'm not uh as big of a fan as you are but it totally might be that idea of like i think i'm better than everyone else if that's how he sees himself as Mm -hmm. um and just that miss and still being like nope it's fine i'm still 
I'm still the best, you know? Yeah. I definitely, I, I wouldn't say to me, it felt like him making fun of himself, but maybe a bit more like self-satire mm. where he's kind of just like playing around with the idea of like, w- like, like the killer. What if I missed? What would be my miss? And I, I think it would probably be, be Mank. If not Alien 3, which is like the movie he started his career on. And mm. if you ask him about it, he's like completely disowns it. He's like, I didn't direct that. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Just starts gaslighting. But um, no, I, I actually quite liked Mank. Did you like, I remember we talked about it a lot. I can't remember what we, the conclusions we came on it though. Yeah, we talked about, I think the conclusion we kind of came on it was that um, it's very much just like a movie for movie lovers, you know? True. It's, it's so up its own ass about, uh like the black and white and like the process of making movies you know mm-hmm. um that it, it very much felt like a movie for movie lovers yeah i would agree um so the killer is divided into into six key sequences we have paris dominican republic new orleans florida new york and then end off in chicago before like a two second scene ending off in dominican republic again mm-hmm. um but that, i'm not going to count that one so i, I was curious I loved the almost like beat to beat globe trotting sectioned off vibe of the movie. But I remember when I talked to you and Morgan after it, I remember you guys felt like it was kind of just like, go here, go here, go to one place, go to another place. Um, and so like what section or a segment of the movie worked the most for you? Like what, when were you most engaged based on where he was? Uh, I would say um, New York when he's, um, I don't, is New York the one where he's, hunting down q-tip or is new york the one where he's hunting down big guy in big tower uh new york is q-tip yeah chicago is chicago that's what i'm uh looking for chicago is the most interesting for me because that is the furthest the character is in his character arc and also um it's just when he gets the most like brash you know uh and so i find that the most i found that to be the most interesting part because at the beginning of the movie, he's like sitting in an apartment for days on end waiting for this kill. But once he gets to Chicago, he's like right on it. Like he lands and he's on it. He is going to the dude's place that night, you know? Um, so I, I I think that part engaged me the most um, just because it was so uh, intense and the furthest the character was in his arc. But I, I don't think... Um, like I personally liked all the globe trotting. Uh, the only reason why I said it got repetitive of him going here, 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 was because in the first like three spots he goes to, he does kind of the exact same thing, which makes sense. He's got a method. He's got that kind of stuff. Um, but what Morgan and I, I think we're talking about was it's just the fact that for so much of the movie, he's like fly to a place, sit in a car for days on end uh interrogate this person and it was a little boring to me but i also understand why it's there it's showing like he says in the beginning of it beginning of it if you get bored easily this isn't the job for you part of his job is like staking these places out sitting in cars for days following people that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um i just think that uh when i I think in my head, when I think about like movies like that, kind of the James Bond, that kind of stuff, it gets straight to the action. But I do, I do recognize that the important part of this movie is showing every little bit. Right. Um, I just personally found those moments of him sitting in cars, watching people or staking stuff out um, that happened every single time he landed somewhere new got repetitive. Um, 
And I think there are ways you can have that um, and still make it like interesting. And they do start to make it interesting when later in the movie, he's less of staking places out and he's more just going, getting right into it when he starts to get sloppier. Um, so yeah, I don't think that the globe trotting was boring. I, I liked, I liked the globe trotting and even though it is just kind of him going different place, different place every single time. Um, but I, I found the, the kind of stakeout scenes got a little monotonous, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it definitely to a certain degree is like, this is the job, you know, like yeah. so much, so much of it is just like doing that. But I always, I found it consistently engaging due to like the little ways that like the way he disposes of tools that he used for the hit, you know, like you see him on a motorcycle and he throws the bag into the back of a trash compactor as he drives by it. And then immediately throws one of the other key pieces right into the sewer. So he's like, the way he disposes of evidence is is so resourceful. And I felt like stuff like that, plus his narration, kept me super like grounded between each each hit. Hmm. I would say that I really did love the. Um, you said Chicago was was your favorite, right? Yeah, yeah. Chicago was pretty awesome. But I'll say this: I loved the opening Paris one because it really does build as if you're about to see this flawless execution happen. And then he just completely fumbles it. And like Mm -hmm. just having to, it reminded me a lot of like the game Hitman if David Fincher had directed it, because that's exactly what happens in Hitman. It's like you're, everything's going perfect and you're doing good and you're about to take the shot and then you fuck it up and immediately all chaos ensues. And I found like, I found like it was a fun way of like playing with, with that. But I also, I'll say that I loved the Florida one where he goes and he gets the the drugs and he tries to drug the dog Mm. and then he goes in to fight the guy who, who had attacked his girlfriend. Um, and then it's just the craziest fight sequence. I've, if John Wick 4 hadn't come out this year, this would easily be the best action sequence I've seen all year. Um, I, st- I do think it's one of my favorites I've seen this year. Like, it is, like, so, like, insane. Like, he just... This guy is so much bigger than him and, like, just really beating the shit out of him. Um, and he's, like, throwing cheese graters at him to try and, like, stop him. Like, it's just, like, so resourceful. And I've never seen an apartment get destroyed so quickly. And yeah, I, I found the whole New York stuff with Tilda Swinton to be really interesting, especially because I feel like it's the closest we I came to like coming up with a meaning for the movie. So you had asked me at the mm-hmm. beginning, like if there was a move, a meaning to it. And I was like, I don't really know, but I do have a couple ideas. And I feel like the movie can be easily summed up by the story Tilda Swinton tells him about the bear and the hunter. The killer is the hunter who is unwilling to kill the bear despite going up against the bear many times. The, the, story she's telling or the joke she's telling is specifically about the excitement of the hunt and not the kill itself and to me it became quite clear that the killer enjoys the hunt but has grown quite tired of the kill Mm. you know and so i feel like what we're seeing is is a hitman who no longer even enjoys the hit part he just enjoys the like stalking and like breaking into like rooms and like seeing the terror on their face part so I guess what what I would sum the story as, if there is one, I don't think there's like a deeper meaning. But I think we're seeing this story of this kind of hitman's unraveling and undoing into him growing quite tired of, of his job. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. It uh, yeah. it very much feels like he is, yeah, bored of the, the life he lives. And he doesn't want to do it anymore, but he is forced to. Yeah. Because that's I've seen, where he's at, you know? Yeah, and I've seen more parallels to, like, the whole David Fincher himself kind of using the killer as a stand-in. It's like, he's made some of the greatest movies of our time, and he at this point, he enjoys 
the creation of it and not the actual like releasing the movie part like he doesn't give a fuck what people think about the movie at this point it's just about the the making of it he just enjoys the craft but he doesn't enjoy the actual following through of the craft if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um why do you think the killer spares Claiborne at the ending of the movie that's the man who was involved in you know the the hit that got his girlfriend deeply hurt and almost killed him um do you feel it's so Claiborne feels he owes the killer for sparing him or, or for something else? I think two reasons. One being he is – this is where he's at his sloppiest. Like um, the whole point is no witnesses kill everyone, that kind of thing. Um, so in this final moment, he's at his sloppiest and he just doesn't want to kill this dude because he's gone through so much already to get to this point. Like he's killed so many people and uh, yeah, he, I feel like it's partially that he – just is at his sloppiest but it also is partially a smart move in my opinion because if you kill this huge important figure you're gonna have people on you but if you threaten him that you will come back and get him eventually Mm -hmm. um and he had no idea who he was too that was the uh, that was a very important thing i think is that um claiborne has no idea who this guy is um, he's just a nameless person to him. And so with no information about him, no nothing, he very much just lays the threat down so that no one else is going to get sent on him versus kills Claiborne and some other big head is like, kill the guy who did this, you know? Right. Um, and he's got to go through the process again. So I think it's partially he's just at his sloppiest where he's like, eh, I don't even want to kill this guy. But also it could just be a smart move of, if I kill this guy, the cycle just continues, you know? Right. I um, also feel like a little bit too, it's like this guy is so, so rich as opposed to so many of the other people he's taking out. And it's like rich people have the most eyes on them. You know, you kill this yeah. guy, you're going to have a lot more people looking as to who killed this guy. Whereas everyone else is kind of just disposable in the eyes of the police. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if it's just like a, David Finch is trying to make a point and show how sloppy he is at this point, or if it's a smart move, it could be either or. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, the movie ends with not a bang, but with the total opposite. The killer doesn't kill Claiborne. He returns to the Dominican Republic and seems to settle into a life of retirement at his fancy mansion with his partner. It's kind of an anti-ending where like the movie doesn't really have like a conclusive ending. You know, he, he goes about this process and, and then the movie stops. Did the ending work for you or did it leave something to be desired? Because for me, I felt like it works for the story that we're telling with this character, which is like this man who has done all these things and he's just going to be fine. And Morgan was like, I wish there was some sort of comeuppance for him. I'm like, this is not that movie. This is a very vibe centric movie about a dude killing people and then slowly retiring. Yeah. I think I, I totally agree. I think that the end is, um, I agree partially where I, I don't know, some comeuppance or some something, I think would have uh, really done it for me, but that's not the story we're telling here. Um, this guy has to make it out at the end uh, and just like live his life to yeah. be able to like fully come through with this story. Cause I think, yeah, if he gets comeuppance, like I think everyone would expect that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it makes sense that he doesn't like get killed or something, but I think it, when I saw the ending of the movie, what I saw is, he essentially slotted himself into the Tilda Swinton um, 
area where now right. he knows that at some point someone's probably going to come for him. Um, but he has kind of just realized that he wants to enjoy what he's got left, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, so that's, that's what I got from the ending. Agreed. And like, I do get the argument that it's like, I wish that there was some emotional, um, revelation that he had some, some big grand moment where he reflects on the life that he's lived. That would be the Martin Scorsese version of this movie, you Mm -hmm. know? And I feel like a version where it's like this big, loud revenge story is the Quentin Tarantino version of this movie. Yeah. And, and the version we're telling here is very, very clearly the David Fincher version of, of the story, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm curious, like, do you feel like you're going to revisit the killer? Do you feel like you're, you know, excited to revisit it? No, not going to revisit it. Um, I think in having this conversation about this movie, I've realized how I, like, I get that the character is emotionless and that's the kind of the point because they're a killer. Um, but I think where that is a fault to the movie is that I don't care too much to see anything more of this story. Um, and now that I go through the whole movie in my head and we talk about it and discuss it, um, I realize how, like, I felt like I was left with not enough for me to find this movie incredible, you know? Mm. Um, there's just something missing from it that, and I think what it really is, is that emotional drive to connect me to that movie, to want to see a second one or to want to go back and revisit it. Um, and so just for me personally, I have no interest in seeing this story because this is a story that has been and will forever be played out. The story of the killer, the story of the uh, James Bond archetype, the story of the guy who uh, does the hits and kills the people and looks cool while doing it. It is something that will go on forever and ever and ever in history as a story. I think the killer does take a different approach to that. Um, in showing a very like laid out methodical version of this character who does start to slip. Um, But I think there are millions of stories about that. And I do think this one is good, um, but I don't think it's enough to make it stand out from every other story that's like that. Right. Fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to revisit it with the mindset of like knowing it's not so plot centric and kind of just giving myself over to each segment of it, like now that I know where it's going, which is, you know, a very low-key approach to actual storytelling and more so like vibe-centric, um, living in these moments with with the killer. But I think too, I think now that I, I know on a rewatch, like this guy's a goofball. He, he views himself as as John Wick, but in reality, he's kind of incompetent. And, like, I find myself wondering, like, they, they mention throughout the movie, he has $8 million in the bank, and, like, he's, like, good, he's set for life. And I'm like, did we watch the same guy? Because this guy, to me, is kind of like a, a, like a, a joke. Like, hyping himself up with the Smiths and just, like, completely bungling it at every chance I get. And I guess what we're seeing is actually his undoing in the moments where he really does start to lose his, his ability to do this properly. I don't, I I don't think he, I see him as a joke per se. Um, I think I, I understand what you're saying here is that that idea of he thinks he's the John Wick, but he isn't. Um, I think it's 
very much like that that idea of you think you're different you think you're the one and i think everyone does think that at times and i'm sure every single dude um that i've known thinks he's john wick at some point um so i think it might i totally agree that i might be making fun of that in a sense that um he just isn't um and that's what makes him seem stupid but um he i think he's extremely smart to be honest i just think he is a man who is um tired of it you know you get i think with anything um you get to a point where you've mastered it where it's boring you know and i think that is kind of the example of this that he has mastered it he's got all that money he's done all the hits he's he we didn't see him at his greatest we are just seeing him at the point where he gets bored of what he's doing um and what makes him incompetent and stupid at times is just the fact that he is done you know like he's bored he's just tired Uh, and so he's not doing it exactly how he should he's not doing it down to the t of this exact science that helps him do it perfectly he's doing it he's just like i know what i'm doing you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna do it yeah so it um to me like i thought a little bit about you know all these like literally me characters like he's Mm -hmm. me for real for real like ryan gosling um you know, some somehow the lead from Taxi Driver gets brought up in these conversations. Like mm-hmm. these toxic characters that like dudes on the internet will often like latch on to and just like self parody and be like, "Oh, literally me, I'm so him." It feels like David Fincher to me was a little bit aware of that conversation, yeah. And he was like, and I feel like he's accepting a bit of like, I've made multiple characters that often get brought up in this conversation of like, "Oh, he's so me." Um, and I feel like what he did was make a character here where people will latch onto that dialogue a little bit differently because like he is like the cool suave character that often people on the internet will latch onto in in that, in that conversation. But he's also a a bit of a, of a a loser at times, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I found like that was like a fun bit of like parody. Very much, uh, very much real life Redditor over here. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Wesley, are you a, are you a big The Smiths guy? Um, to be totally honest, I don't listen to any of The Smiths. All I listen to from The Smiths is This Charming Man. That's the only song I know. It's an absolute banger. And That's it came on, and I was like, yeah, all right. That's the one. I, but to be totally honest, though, I once the first song played, which I was unaware was The Smiths, um, I thought for a second that the whole soundtrack of The Killer was going to be The Killer's. Um, like I thought oh. it was the killers for a second and then I was like, oh wait, no, this is not them. That's funny though. Could you imagine? That's just ext- yeah. I thought the the Smith soundtrack was hilarious though. As someone who lo- really loves their music too, like I, I'm, I'm quite a fan. I thought that having them be like the soundtrack to this movie about a cold blooded killer, like easily like what comes up as like the archetype for like sad boy, you know, rock. Um, I thought that that was just like a really really funny decision because it just makes him look hilarious every time he's just on his way to kill someone and he's just listening to like, please let me get what I want. Yeah. I, I love the Smith. So I thought it was funny, but yeah, no, I feel like that's about it for, uh, for the killer. Mm-hmm. What are, what, what's your favorite Hitman movie? Oh gosh. Uh, I'm a sucker for the James Bond movies. Yeah. Um, the James Bond movies. I just think it's where it's at. Like John wick incredible if you're here for the action if you're here for the fights 
John Wick is where it's at. And I think John Wick is really good. But if you're here for like the espionage of like a super spy or something, that's where James Bond comes in. Um, and I, I just really like the James Bond movies because it's just like, it's the suave debonair spy that I always wanted to be as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was thinking about spy being a spy or whatever, like when I think of James Bond, he's like the ultimate hitman spy guy. Uh, but if we're talking about like genuine cinematography, it's got to be John Wick. Like John Wick, yeah. the John Wick movies are incredible. I would agree. I would say John Wick. Pulp Fiction is one, but the Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction is, a, is not a hitman movie. It is when it's Sam Jackson and John Travolta, but that's for not the like whole movie. a little that's bit of the movie. movie. Yeah. Um, no Country for Old Men, of course, comes up. It's a great um, one. Leon the Professional. You ever seen that one? No. It's a great one. Um, aged a little bit weird, but really good. Actually, I take it back. Bullet Train. <laughs> great wait, really? Hitman movie. No, I'm just kidding. But oh, good... I was like, no, it is a good movie. I was just like, wait, that's your number one? No. <laughs> but I do like movie. Bullet Train. I do like Bullet Train. I think it's fun. Um, honestly... Killer is is it up up there for me? Really? But, uh, yeah, uh, but I'm aware of like wh- from the second the movie ended, I was like, I think I'm a little bit more high on that than you guys were than, oh, than you and Morgan. Totally. Like that was my shit, and I was like, inject it into my veins. This fucking he he eats McDonald's and orders off Amazon and listens to the Smith, and then he shoots people. It's fucking <laughs> sick. But it, I, I felt like it was really just like a, I love Fincher. Um, I loved what he was doing with this movie. To be honest with you, like it's nice to have a thriller that is just tight. And to the point, and it doesn't feel the need to be overly deep or overly sentimental. It's just a movie about a cold ass motherfucker, and and I felt like it was a real throwback to like '90s like thrillers, but in particular early Fincher, which is like just some of my my favorite shit. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I I really loved it. I would probably give it if we were to rate it out of songs by the Smith. <laughs> I'd probably give it four and a half songs by the Smith. Out of I five. think I would probably give it. Four charming men out of five. Nice. Um, I I just bring it down that point because yeah, I think it was way more of a movie for you than it was for me. I'm not yeah. denying it's a good movie. Like it's good. It's a good. Movie, just didn't. But it didn't. You weren't as sold on it as I was. I, yeah. I I need a bit of that emotional attachment to those characters. Um, to really get into those kinds of movies, like that's why I, uh, like John Wick. He's got the uh, lots of emotional attachments to his wife and dog and car and whatever. Um, or like James Bond. Yes, he's not that emotionally attached, but he's always got some kind of female lead that's there with him too. Uh, and so I think just not having any of that in a movie like this did um, kind of just leave me desiring a little more. But yeah. still objectively a good movie. I'll say this too right before we wrap. Um, the score was fucking sick. Very just good. like the the thumping and like pulse pounding vibe to it and just really great sound design. I love the the scene where he's aiming on the guy he's going to snipe during the Paris sequence and the song is playing like in real like you can hear like the full song and then when it cuts to him it's playing through his headphones. And so it's just back and forth and stuff like that. And that I don't know really if fun. you noticed, but he only had one ear butt in. And every time it switched to what he was hearing, it was only coming out of the right side of the speaker. Very yeah. cool. It's very cool. Just great sound design. I will say though, like you're, you're not alone in regards to like feeling like it could have had a little bit more. Like for me, it was satisfying, but it seems like the general consensus is like, I, I wish it gave me a little bit more by the third act. Like it's immersive. 
it's exciting. But a lot of people are kind of just like, mm, four to five. I, I had fun with it, but it doesn't literally leave me with a lot. Yeah, I and I think that I think that just comes partially from it's David Fincher. You know, you expect um, like something that's going to be five out of five, like an incredible like a fully movie. conclusive narrative. Yeah, and so I think that's also partially part of the reason why it's a little lackluster for some people, including me. Yeah, I, I've heard people like the the word I've heard constantly is like well made but underwhelming. And yeah, well made but. It's an example. I think it's an example of a guy who knows he can uh, do something really well and just doing something really well and not trying to experiment or do anything new. He's just like, I can do this really good. I'm just going to do it really good. And that's yeah. what it is. But it's like, it is lacking a little something. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, a return to form for him, but not amongst his like great, great, great hits or anything. Yeah, exactly. Last thing I'm going to say I want to encourage our viewers to do a little drinking game. Take a shot every time he uses a different alias in this movie and you will be absolutely mangled by the ending of the film. Um, But I think that's everything we have to say about The Killer. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening. You can check out our other episodes. You can check out our Fight Club episode uh, from way, way back uh, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Dive Movie Cast. In our individual Instagrams, I am at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same name on our letterboxed. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.